So let's bow together in prayer. Let's pray before we go any further. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity of gathering here and for being in this place. Lord, for, for meeting together, for the opportunity to meet together. Lord, for the, the sense, Lord, of, of your assurance that you keep your promises. And, oh God, we thank you for all these many blessings which are ours. And, Father, as we gather together tonight, we pray. Uh, this morning, we pray that we may be indeed very conscious. We pray that we'll clo you'll close us in with yourself. Lord, we'll close out all distractions and all wandering thoughts. And, Lord, all preconceived ideas and opinions and notions. And, Lord, that we will have come here today to truly and only worship the Lord of heaven. Father, we pray for anything that will have diverted us, distracted us, anything that would cause us, Lord, to be uh, uh, pre, uh, uh, pre, uh, predominated by other thoughts. We pray, O oh God, that you will have your way amongst us. As we lift up our hearts in praise and worship, God in heaven, we ask that you will be very one, uh, one of our number. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, we're going to stand and sing together a few songs. First, first one is, we have come into his house. We have gathered in his name to worship him. Let's stand and sing these great songs. Sing unto the Lord. Remember, you're singing unto the Lord. And it doesn't matter uh, what kind of a tune you're in, as long as you're in tune with the Lord. Thank you very much.
psalmist said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually. And I, I think of that word, uh, the psalmist said, continually. I mean, I've never known a man have more ups and downs, more people oppressed him, more people opposed him. And yet he says, his name uh, shall be continually on, in my mouth. This next song gives us 10,000 reasons, 10,000 reasons that we can bless the Lord this morning. And that's what we're going to sing just now.
maybe you've had a tough week. Maybe it hasn't been easy for you. Maybe there's reasons that you could be distracted in the service this morning. And maybe you've felt hurt over the past week or months or years. Just remember this, that you've got one who stands before the throne pleading the merits of Calvary, that you may know that deliverance and forgiveness and that healing and that cleansing. And then we're singing this song, Before the Throne of God Above. So whatever your need is today, remember this. You've got someone before the throne pleading for you and applying the merits of Calvary on your behalf. So let's sing it together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that our sins are forgiven and they're forgotten by God. We thank you that our sins have been cast into the sea of your forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. And Lord, you put up a sign for all us to see there's no fishing there. Thank you, Lord, that you bring no accusation against us, those who are uh, in the, the, the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, help us to really appreciate all that he has done. Help us to magnify the one who is the saviour of our souls and has lifted us from the dunghill of sin and has set us on the rock, Christ Jesus. Bless you, Lord, that we are now inheritors of the kingdom 
Our past is forgiven and forgotten. Our future is secure and it's clear and they're written in the mansions in heaven. Oh God, thank you today that we're not here to stay. We're here to go and we are going to a far better place. And oh God, we thank you for the, the gift and the help of the Holy Spirit. And we would ask, Lord, for that infilling of the Holy Spirit just now. Lord, before we go any further in this service, Lord, because you said in your word, Jesus said uh, to the woman at the well, they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, Father, we can't conjure up the Spirit. We can't work it up. We can't, Lord, sort of create it on our own. Lord, we can't have smoke and lights to try and create some atmosphere. It's the Spirit of God coming upon your people. And it's the Spirit of God coming into your people and overflowing within us, Lord. And so, Lord, we welcome the Holy Spirit in this gathering. We ask him to permeate the gathering, Lord, that you will deal with all preconceived notions and ideas. And, oh God, as Jesus is praying for us, pleading the merit of Calvary, we ask Oh God, for that infilling and that, that overflowing of the Holy Spirit. Lord, you've said in your word, you've said in your word, if you being even know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? We ask, Lord, for a baptism of your Spirit today in this gathering. This Elam Pentecostal church in Kulabaki. Lord, we ask for the anointing and the breaking through out of the, out of the strongholds and the caverns of sin. And Lord, in our minds and in our hearts, we pray that the Spirit of God will break out, break in and break through, we pray. And God grant that we will know the, the help and, and the healing of the Holy Spirit. And everybody said... Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to ask the boys and girls to please to come and help me with this next song. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. So all helpers, please come forward and we'll see how we get on with this wee song. Thank you very much. Thank you, Joshua. Where's is Eden? Oh, there's Eden. Abigail. Heidi. Reuben. Okay, let's get on with this song. God is so good. Do you know this? Do you know this song is? Do you? Do you know the actions? God is so good, all right? Okay, you watch me, and then they'll watch you, and we'll make sure they do the actions, all right? Thank you very much. Hands up those of you who sang that for the very first time. Oh, you all sang it. Some of you were going to go on over the course and you were all wrong. We'll do that one more time. Slow it down just a wee bit. Is that all right? Okay, slow it down to a foxtrot or something like that. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Whatever that is. <laughs> Whatever that is. God is so good. All right. Thank you so much.
brilliant. Thanks so much. Now you may head off to Sunday school. Thank you very much. And the teachers are going to be with you just in a wee moment. I want to read a few verses to you, and they're found in Matthew chapter 27, <coughs> reading from verse 45 uh, down to verse 54. Uh, the Matthew's account, Matthew and Mark, both include one aspect of this in their gospel record, uh, and we, we will highlight it in a wee moment. But Matthew chapter 27, verse 45, and here's how it goes. Now from the sixth hour... There was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly this was the Son of God. Amen. And we trust that God will bless that reading as we prepare our hearts and our minds as we come to uh, celebrate and to, uh, to the Lord's table. We started off with a very solemn scene, Christ is on the cross. We see him dying there, what, how, how solemn and sad. And from a human perspective, it was sad. Such a good man, such a gracious man, a man who, who fed the hungry and healed the sick, and this is how they deal with him. It's sad, isn't it? It's solemn. He's giving his life. It's a sobering moment to think that he would die in our place and in our stead. It's a strange moment because after, the, after he dies, there's, there's tombs opening up and there's people living and they're going into the city. And, and the commentators say that's a kind of like symbolic. It's a kind of like, like a, 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 a message to that, that after he rose again from the day, after he died, that the, 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 the curtain in the temple was rent in two, that people were released out of their tomb and out of their graves of sadness and, and confusion and fear of the future. So it's symbolic, it's strange. It's, 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 it seems take us to the whole message of the gospel and the consequences of the resurrected Christ. And so that brings me to one further essence, and that is a, it's a significant scene. It's significant in the fact that the, the veil in the temple, that veil in the temple was a separation between the holy place and the holy of holies. And, and what, was, what was happening here was that from now on, that people can have an intimate relationship with God himself. And we can, it's not about, if you're still in the holy place, you're playing religion. You're going through the motions. But you haven't got into that inner place with God. You haven't experienced that intimacy. And you're dependent upon a whole range of things, especially in the Old Testament. They were dependent upon the high priest, and he alone could go in and make atonement for them and present the sacrifice before, the, for, before God for, for, for everybody else. But now, that veil in the temple that's rent in twain 
means that we're not only practicing religion now, we're not only going through the motions, we can come boldly to the throne of grace ourselves. And notice also it was ripped from the top to the bottom, and you will know, you students of the Bible, you will know this, that that means that God initiated it. It started from heaven and worked its way down to men. But also, another commentator says, adding to that, that that meant that the veil in the temple was destroyed now. It would never be needed anymore. It has passed its sell-by date. It was not to be used anymore. It was a message from heaven that you and I, you and I, in, by faith in Jesus Christ and the Lord, our Lord and Savior, can have an eternal, permanent relationship with God through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That to you and me then says that you and I can today walk with him, and I'm sure you are. We can have fellowship with him. We can get into that, inter, uh, that inner uh, m most of relationships with our great God. The, temple, the, the, the veil in the temple was rent in twain. Celebrate that thought today. Rejoice in that today. Thank God for it, that there is a way back to God from the dark paths of sin. There's a door that is open to all who go in. At Calvary's cross is where you begin when we come as sinners to Jesus. And all these other symbolic things that you've seen about graves opening, which is a picture of the future resurrection of those who are redeemed, and we go to dwell in the presence of God for all eternity, it all becomes part and parcel of our grateful and free salvation. To help us prepare our hearts as we come to the table, we're going to sing that song, Jesus Paid It All. We'll stand and sing.
You may be seated. Father, we thank you for these moments. They're tender, they're special to us, Lord. Thank you for the gift of God's salvation in Christ. Lord, it was an ugly scene at the cross. It was desperate, Lord, as far as uh, human reasoning is concerned. But, oh God, how glorious that he was dying in our place, in our stead, giving his life that we make no forgiveness. Our Father, we pray that you'll help us to fully plumb the depths of the love of God for each one of us who, as we survey the cross, we see what he has done for us. Father, we want to pray for the many needs. We know there are many who have got colds and flus and coughs and whatever. There are many, Lord, who are in beds of sickness, those who are dealing with challenges regarding their health. Lord, there are those who would love to be here but cannot for other reasons. We think of the young folk that are away on the Scripture Union weekend. And Lord, and everything that uh, our folk that we usually have today, uh, Lord, we just pray your blessing will be upon them. They may plumb the depths of the blessing of God. Thank you for Alistair and Yvonne home amongst us, Lord. Thank you for the good reports of what you're doing amongst them, Lord, in uh, Turkey. And thank you, God, for how you've undertaken in so very many ways. And Father, we pray for them as their time of home, Lord, that they may know, will know refreshing and they'll know your blessing, Lord, as they mix and mingle with us once again. And Father, for many who've got family on other sides of the world at this time of year can be quite lonely. And Father, even at this time of year uh, that we had folks with us and now they've, gone into, they've been called into higher service in the courtrooms of heaven. And Lord, there'll be those lonely, sad hearts. But, O oh God, we just pray your Holy Spirit will minister into their being today. And, O oh God, even as we consider this incoming Christmas, Lord, we pray that we may be very, very aware of your presence in every circumstance and every situation of life. Lord, we pray for our loved ones that are not saved. O oh God, we would long to see them close in with the offer of mercy. We long, Father, for revival, spiritual revival, Holy Ghost revival, Lord, in our community. Lord, we don't want to fizzle out. Lord, we don't want, as it were, peter out. We don't want to be like the dying ashes in the dying fire. But, oh God, we want to go out in this world in a flame for God. Father, we pray that you'll come to us, oh God, that you'll come to every one of us. Come to this church, Lord. Uh, Lord, we're, 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 yes, we're, we're mindful of the Cunningham down the road and the Methodist down the road and the Reformed Presbyterian and, and Lord, the, 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 the many churches dotted in this part of the world. We're mindful, Lord, that each and every one ought to be, if they're not already, but we uh, ought to be serving the King of kings and Lord of lords. For those that are, Father, will you revive their homes, revive their pulpits, Lord, revive their pews, we pray. And, O oh God, while another is our calling, please do not pass us by. Oh God, come to this church. God, we pray, come to each one of us. Lord, help us not to be going through the motions, but oh God, help us to be firmly fixed on Jesus. Lord, if there are any in this service today and they're sad, if there are any in this service today and they're hurting, God, we pray that you'll heal their hurts. Oh Father, we pray that you'll meet their need and grant, oh God, that they will be lifted up and Father, raised up again to sing the song of the redeemed. Put that new song back in their hearts, we pray. And grant, oh God, that we know victory in Jesus' mighty name. As we take up this offering, Father, we pray you'll take it up and use it for your eternal glory. In Christ's name we pray. And everybody said, 
Amen. We're going to sing that song, My Troubled Soul, and uh, during that time we are going to have a little offering, but please remain seated for the first part. Thank you very much.
Amen. You may be seated. And if you've got a Bible and you want to follow the reading, then I'm going to invite you to turn with me to uh, Psalm number 34. Psalm number 34, we're going to read from verse 15 down to the end of the passage, end of the chapter. Uh, I'm going to talk to you about a subject. I'm not going to tell you about what the subject is just now, but I'm going to talk to you about, about a subject that is just about as effective in preventing our walk with God as sin is. And you wonder what could that be? It's just as uh, obstinate and still as, as, uh, just as effective or destructive, I might say, as sin in a life that prevents us from going deeper with God and further with God. And I would also go on to say that most, if not everyone in this church and out in the wider Christian community have suffered from it at some time or other. And it's one that the Lord has very definitely laid on my heart for this service. Now, I did have a wee bit of a struggle. First of all, would I be here today? Well, I'm here. Uh, maybe firing on three cylinders, but nevertheless, we're here. Uh, but nevertheless, there was that struggle in my spirit. And I've, I came to the conclusion that the devil doesn't want you to hear this message. It's not hard-hitting. It's encouraging. It's quite remedial. It, it can be taken as medicinal. And, and if, we, if, we, if we deal with the advice, because a lot of it's very practical, if we deal with this advice, then my dear friend, we'll be able to sing the songs that David sang. Because in the midst of all that he went through, he found many psalms which have enriched the church and are a blessing to us today. Let's read together from Psalm number 34, reading from verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saved, saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked. And those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. And none of those who have taken refuge in him will be condemned. Amen. And we trust that the Lord will bless that reading and our meditation on his word. There was a law case happened in America quite a number of years ago. It was a law case over property and the purchasers and the sellers. It was a case between Mary Greengod and David and Eva Hurt. Mary Greengod had a piece of land that she sold. David and Eva Hurt, they bought the land. But it turned out that whenever money had exchanged hands, and so some of the legal wranglings had taken place, it turned out that Mary Greengod didn't have clear title to the place, and we refused to hand back the money to the people who had purchased it, the Hurts. There was a huge court case, legal wranglings going on, 
And the papers got hold of it, just like sometimes the papers in our land does, and they make a mountain out of a molehill. And they described the, the battle that was going on. They described the, the, the causes. But here was the headline. God versus hurt. What they had done was they had taken Mary green God and ignored and, and, and left out the word green. And it was God versus hurt. Now you might wonder, well, where are we going here? Remember the first time that you fell off a bike or bumped your head? Mother or daddy came along and gave you a little kiss and the pain disappeared. Isn't it, wouldn't it be wonderful that whenever we've been hurt and we get hurt, we get hurt by family. In fact, I will say to you that the only people that can really hurt you deeply are those that are closest to you, especially family. And those that you familiarize yourself with on a daily basis. Wouldn't it be lovely if all the hurts that we had experienced could be dealt with with a kiss? Wouldn't it? And I would also go on to say that there are multitudes of people in our world today and they've had to deal with hurts. Deal with hurts. Hurts from the family. The, the closer the proximity you live with people, the more likely you get you are to get hurt. But not only family, but fellowships, where we mixed and mingle and we see every moment the, how that can be so real. We get hurt in fellowships. People that we've opened our hearts to, and they know the intricate details of our lives. And something happens. Gossip takes place. Secrets are shared. And people are hurt. Fiancés can hurt you. And I've discovered even your finances. Now usually, mostly, and oftentimes, people can deal with it. The hurts. They, they, they take a very biblical prospect, uh, 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 direction at it, and, and they talk about it, and they get together maturely. That's how they ought to. Get together maturely, and they bring it before the Lord if they're Christians and they get it dealt with. But there are num numerous people who haven't been able to deal with their hurts. And oftentimes, having been hurt, they question God. Why did you let it happen? Why did you not step in? Why did you not prevent that hurt from taking place? Why didn't you stop my daughter from being sexually abused? Oh, folks, I've heard it all. I've heard it all. A mission not too far away from here in, Kil in Kilray, about 25 years ago, God was working and we came across a young woman, and, and she came under conviction. But she said, I don't want to be a Christian because God took my dad when I was only five years age. Now, I want to nail this down right away. God didn't take him. Death takes your life. And, and, and if we get that concept into our minds, that'll save you from blaming God for an awful lot of things. We live in a fallen world. And the fallen world in which we live 
was already prophesied by God to Adam and Eve, of the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. In other words, you'll bring the curse of death upon the world. God doesn't have to make anything happen. It just naturally, automatically happens. God took my wee baby. No death took it. But God made wonderful provision that that little one could be in heaven. And that if you follow suit and if you come to Christ, you will see that little one again. Now, I digress. But you understand what I'm saying. Hurt. Another woman mentioned, spoke to me at another time. My little daughter was 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 sexually abused coming home from a from a from from a, a party, and she says, "I'm angry with God, why He didn't step in." Therefore, I believe it's right today to explore this subject of hurt and the hurt that you may be feeling from your past or your recent present. The hurt that maybe you haven't been able to deal with because you're not working with it through the proper filters. Now I want to very quickly say that atheists have no right to blame God when they don't believe in God. They have no right. And the only reason that atheists blame God is to get at the Christians. Because they don't believe in God, but they're just trying to pull down God in your mind. It's an attack against your faith. But then those that would blame God must believe that God is. They just haven't perceived who he is to his fullest extent. Now, I hope I've set the scene for you, have I? Because this has been heavy on my heart. Hurts are common. Many people that I've met in my life have said, you don't know what I'm going through. That's a bad position to be in. Because somewhere along the line, everybody has had hurts. We all tend to think that we're the only ones that's dealing with the trauma and the trouble. And your spirit is traumatized today because of the hurt. And you're still living in that hurt. Can I say about hurt, don't keep reliving it. Because someone said what that produces is resentment. And you know what resentment means in the Greek? It means cut again. And what you're doing is you're reliving the hurt that was caused over and over again. Only every time you relive it, the cut, the, the, the cut goes deeper and deeper and deeper. They're common. Now, I've had, I think, four operations in my time. I've had three prolapse discs. I put up with constantly with the pain of sciatic nerve down right the right leg into this down to the big toe. Sometimes I don't feel the big toe, and sometimes I do. As you see me almost falling, you know that the toe is given way. This leg here is uh, this leg here is numb. I don't feel this part of my leg here at all. You can burn you can burn it. You can cut it. We do whatever you like, but I wouldn't feel it. That's just because of my three pull-off di- sorry my three pull-off discs that are back here. But I get on with life because I and and and. But I'm not nearly as bad as I used to be. Sure, I don't look that bad. Sure, I don't. Some people ask me, you know, you look so fit, young Gillanders. Young Gillanders, you look so fit. You must do exercises. I tell you, the most exercise I do is behind this pulpit. 
that the rest of the time is preparing messages. That's the rest of the time spent. And there'll be a bit of visiting in and out in between times. But I had uh, my four operations, two in my stomach, two in my wrists. You'll see the mark on my wrists because I had carpal tunnel syndrome. In other words, it's a baker's disease because the overworking of my fingers and hands and the muscles became overdeveloped and then started nipping my... Why am I talking about this? When I've bumped my head or when I've had a black eye for... Well, I've had one or two black eyes in my unsaved days. I can see those wounds healing. Do you see the emotional and the psychological wounds? They don't heal so easily. And the problem with psychological and emotional hurts, you don't really see the person that's hurting. And then what we do is we try to hide it. We, we, try, to, uh, we try to cover it over because, because we don't want anybody to know that how deeply we've been hurt. And oftentimes, even between a husband and wife, we exchange words which we shouldn't exchange. And negative words have an awful, are awfully stubborn in, 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 in our, our recovery is very, very stubborn from those negative words that we say to one another. All this I've said to say this, they're very common. Psychological, emotional trauma, even from as far back as your childhood, still has followed you right to this moment in time. By the way, we will have prayer ministry for those who would like prayer at the end of this message. And you have been almost guided. You have been almost dictated to by the hurt of something that happened years ago. Now, I'm not going into too much of the psychology, but there's all this more, 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 more qualified here. But let me give you a few. Divorce. Betrayal. Loss, gossip, mockery, deceit, criticism, prejudice, unfair decisions, being ignored, underappreciated, always being put down. Whenever I was at school and they were picking the teams for the football, I was always glad I wasn't the last, but I was never the first to be picked for the team. But maybe you were always the last to be picked for the team. Maybe it wasn't the team. Maybe been other things, like a party. And the whole school, the whole, the whole term of the, the, the whole class were invited, and you weren't. And that has a traumatic effect. Why me? Why not me? What, what's about me? You know what it says in Matthew 18 and verse 6? Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. And oftentimes God's children be hurt and offended through ignorant and ungodly behavior. There is a rising tide in emotional and psychological suffering today caused by the social media. 
where people are experiencing bullying and all sorts of psychological terrorism through words and social media. I'm not on Facebook. I won't be on Facebook. I'll never be back on it again. I think it's a plague. It says, even my close familiar friend, said the psalmist in Psalm 41 and 9, one who shared my bread and has turned against me. If you want a picture of what happens in churches and how pain happens in churches, I would advise you to go to Psalm number 55, verses 10 to 14. Do that at your leisure. You will see there that that was a very clear picture of people who get hurt in communities and churches. I say all of this to say this. Hurts are common. There's other people have gone through the trauma that you've gone through. I don't want to waste much time on that one. You'll understand, you'll, you'll, you'll recognize, you'll identify where it is that that hurt is relevant to you. And today, you wonder, God, why didn't you stop it, step into that? Why, why didn't you help me through that? Why didn't you prevent that? What more could the leadership have done? Why didn't the pastor step in? Why didn't the elders step in? Why didn't the deacon step in? Why didn't my friends step in? Why did they all desert me and leave me? Hurts are common. I will say this. God often uses uses hurts to knock some chips of our own arrogant personality. And oftentimes he uses pain. But the word of God says that Jesus suffered, he, 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 he disciplined through the things that he suffered. Can I say very quickly, hurts are corrosive. They're common, they're corrosive. On, I had a splinter in my hand. I'm doing a wee bit of uh, woodwork around the house. You wouldn't want to see my woodwork. It's rubbish. But I was doing and I rubbed the grain up the wrong way. You ever do that, man? And I got a big splinter in my hand. It was all right for a wee while. And then the next thing, it started to fester. And then the more it festered, the worse it got. And I said to Esther, Esther, would you get a wee bit of a pin there? And she did surgery on my hand. And out came with a pair of tweezers and the help of a wee bit of a, sh of a needle. And out came the offender. And I didn't feel recovery immediately. But after a couple of hours and then after a day, I didn't even know that the splinter had been there. And today I couldn't show you where that splinter was. It was somewhere in my hand. But what happens is because we don't want anyone to know that we've been hurt. We don't want to maybe hurt the person that hurt us. Or we don't want to embrace it. We don't want to tackle it. Or we don't want to deal with it. We cover it. And we relive it. And we rehearse it. And we go over it and over it and over it again. Here's another passage, Psalm, Psalm 31, verse, verse 10. Psalm 31 and verse 10. For my life is spent with sorrow 
and my years were saying, my strength fails because of my iniquity, and my bones waste away. Psalm number 39, verses 2 to 3, is another passage. The psalmist knows what he's talking about. He's been there. Verses 2 and 3. I was mute and silent. I held my peace to no avail, and my distress grew worse. My heart became hot within me. As I mused, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. In other words, he held it up, and he held it up, and he held it up, and then came out a barrage of abuse. And things were said, made it far worse than when it was before it ever, when it had happened. Hurts fester and spread poison to the rest of the body. And there's a lesson for church leadership if you don't deal with hurt, it festers and it spreads into the body. And what happens is then people get a posse. And the next thing you see, the church is divided down the center. Families are divided down the center. I know my dear friend, been there, did that and worn the t-shirt. Vial after vial of poison ends up poisoning and hurting the individual. And ultimately, the whole family or fellowship become infested with unresolved hurt. The psalmist is speaking about his inner condition that only worsened as he sought to cover it. Untreated hurts distorts and corrupts the real you. If left unaddressed, they can turn you into a monster. And from what I have learned and observed, it only spreads and becomes more and more infectious. And we say to God, if you're supposed to be in control, why? Here's what happens with some who leave their hurts untouched. Withdrawal. They bury it deep and they hide away from people. Aggression, striking out at others, which is not really you. Questioning the goodness of God that we've already covered. And overcompensation. Hurts are common. Hurts not only are common, they're corrosive. But here's the good news. Hurts are curable. Would you agree with that? They're, they're, they're curable. You can know healing. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 to 16. You know these verses really well, I'm sure. Since then, we have Hebrews 4, verses 15. 15 and 16, we'll read verse 14 as well. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest. Notice the two negatives, which makes a powerful positive. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And then the answer, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 
He does understand your hurts. More than you can ever imagine. Christ knows the things that have hurt you. He knows that deep ingrained pain emotionally and psychologically. He knows all about it. And in case you think, how could he possibly know what he's talking about? He's never been where I've been. Well, listen, let's make a few comparisons then. He came unto his own and his own received him not. He faced rejection. Has anybody here ever been rejected? I'm sure there are. Not only had he been rejected, but he was betrayed. Judas betrayed him with a kiss. Is there anybody here has been betrayed? By a loved one? By a friend? Oh, I'll keep that secret. I'll not tell another word. And before you got home, half the country knew it. You shared something that was a burden in your heart. Betrayed. What about shame? Well, Hebrews 12 and tell us would talk about what Hebrews 12 and 2 would tell us that the cross was a shame and he hung on a cross of shame. What about false accusation? Accused in the wrong. Does anybody identify with that? And therefore he says, let us therefore come boldly onto the grace, onto the throne of grace. Psalm 147 says, he heals the brokenhearted. And he sets the captives free. Just like you tell your doctor your symptoms. Tell God how much you're wounded, where you're wounded. And ask him to pour in the oil and the balm of Gilead. The gracious healing virtues of the Holy Spirit. Into your life and help you make sense of the things that happen. It may take a while. But mark my words, even though Jacob was left with a limp, he was a much better man with the limp than before he had his limp. Paul, who had the thorn in his side, pleaded, but God says, my grace is sufficient. And my dear friend, there is no greater miracle I feel, I feel than a human being who's been through the trauma that Job has been through, or some of the things that David has been through, or some of the things that Paul has been through, and able to remain gracious and Christ-like after it all. Here's what it says in Psalm 56. He knew what he was talking about, by the way. He says, you put all my tears in your bottle. To think that God would be personal to me, that God would come to me and he would put all my tears in a bottle, that he would, he would sum up and he would, uh, uh, he would restore up all my tears. And one day, one day, he will, uh, he will, he will he'll open that bottle and the healing will be complete. Notice again and again how Jesus was moved with compassion. The woman at the well, he had compassion on her. The woman caught in adultery, he had compassion upon her. Looked through different filters at the, his dealings with the, with, the, with the lepers. Mary Magdalene, Zacchaeus, Bartimaeus. The down and outs of society. 
God even said to Hezekiah in 2 Kings 20, he says, I have seen your tears and I've moved to relieve and to loose you. God saw Hezekiah's tears. And I'm sure there are many who could stand to this and, and testify to the fact that God has come. And I would love to hear testimony sometime of the healing that you experienced as God healed your wounds and your hurts. Be lovely to have a testimony meeting, wouldn't it? Just let you minister to each other. Maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll do that. Ask and receive God's love and encouragement because he's very near to you. If you've ever had an injury or a deep cut, you know how painful it is to touch it. And sometimes we don't want God to touch the psychological and emotional pains because they're still very real. But you must let God get hands on. Hands on. People may try to encourage you, and I know I'm one of the most clumsiest people when I want to encourage and bring sympathy to people because we can say the wrong thing. But who of us here pours in salt deliberately? None of us. But even people who have tried to bring comfort and healing to people, they, by, by their clumsy, and, and I'm not decrying it, and I'm not saying you shouldn't come around people and put your arm around their shoulder and encourage them. I'm not saying that. But sometimes we say the wrong thing, but it's not intentional. And yet there's another hurt that's been created from it. Well, sometimes... We're at fault, those who are hurting, because we don't want anybody to touch it, because the more you touch it, the sorer it is. Well, let me give you five practical things then in dealing with hurt. We must want to be healed. You know the number of people that I've counseled who are living under abusive relationships over the 30-odd years that I've been ministering and the amount of people who don't want to leave that situation because it's familiar. They feel almost at home with the abuse. They don't want to own up the fact that their marriage was a disaster. They don't want to have to deal with the hurt of, 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 of extricating themselves. And you know what? Abuse is like a web and it weaves itself around you until it has you so grasped that you can't break out of it. You have to want to be healed. If Sam or Christian were here today, he'd say, there has to be more than this. Isn't that right? We're here and praying that in the prayer meeting. Lord, there's more. My dear friend, there's more. There's more. Do, do not be stumped and do not be stumbling at some hurt, but allow God into the situation to put his hands upon it, to heal the hurt, the, heal of your, the, the hurt of your past. Maybe it was a tough and, and, and abusive upbringing. Well, here, hands on. I, you can agree with me on that one. But my dear friend, I'm not living in the past. I'm living in the present and my eyes are on the future. You have to want to be healed. Maybe it's a risk. 
If I open my heart to the Lord, I'm afraid of what I'll un uncover. Notice not only is, uh, uh, do we have to want to be healed, we, healing begins when we acknowledge our hurt. Becoming stoical and, and ignoring it doesn't solve it. Be honest with ourselves. We need to face our hurt feelings. Address the pain and the fear and the anger. And condemn the resentment that fills our hearts because of it. Now, the other subject that I wanted to preach today was, was, uh, not, not, was on taking offense. Do you know it's not only a sin to give offense, it's a sin to take offense. Did you know that? Listen to Harold Vaughan on, on, on YouTube or somewhere. I don't know if he's on YouTube or not, but I remember him preaching in the, in, in the flesh and he preached on offense and he shocked us all. It was like Banger Convention, by the way, a faith mission Banger Convention. And he talked about the sin of taking offense. Sometimes we go around looking to be hurt. Be honest with yourself and be honest with God. We must release those, this is the hard one, who have hurt us. No, oh, I want to hold on to that because I want to battle them over and over in my mind. There were a couple some time ago I can think of a couple of situations, so I don't want to be too graphic. But this particular couple just were a pain in the neck. You ever get a pain in the neck? I mean, talk about Paul's thorn in the side. They were like, you ever get a thorn in your foot? They were like, more than a pain in the neck, they were like a thorn in my foot. And boy, I tell you, they just made life absolutely miserable. God challenged me. Pray for them. Pray that I'll bless them. Pray that I'll open up the way for make the crooked places to pray positively. Not that they might be killed in a car accident. Or as a famous preacher from Ahochel used to say, may the fleas of a thousand camels infest their armpits. That is wrong praying. That's wrong praying. May the hair in their nose grow so long that they choke eating their dinner. I'm sure you felt like praying like that, haven't you? And yet God says, pray for them. Pray for those who despitefully use you and abuse you. And you know what I discovered? Because they wouldn't receive the blessing that God wanted to put in their lives, God rebounded it back to me. It was almost like I was praying for me. Now, listen, I had to avoid and I had to watch out my motivation for praying. But I really prayed for years and it got worse. God was changing my heart in the midst of trouble. Making me to be an individual. Listen, we pray, Lord, make me more like Christ. Well, listen, Christ was forgiving, wasn't he? Wasn't he gracious? Wasn't he kind? Wasn't he benevolent? Wasn't he generous in his love? He says, if somebody hits you on the cheek, what do you do? Hit them a clap across the head with a baseball bat. No, he says, turn the other cheek. He says, if somebody wants to take your coat, give your cloak as well. 
And we pray, Lord, make me more like Christ. Sometimes God in his sovereignty is allowing a circumstance to, to be created, to happen, so that he can make us more like himself. Because he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Am I making my point clear? I was going to talk to you there a wee minute, and I'm going to take time. But, but think of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Martha says, Lord, don't, don't, open, don't open the grave, because behold, he stinketh, is the King James. The pain of seeing her dead brother was worse than the pain of grief that he was dead, if you can, mark, if you can think about it. So she wanted to keep it covered. Well, why did he roll away the stone? Well, imagine, I, I don't know about you, but we and Esther and I have a conversation, and Esther said to me, make sure I'm dead before you bury me. She says, I don't want to waken up me and be buried. You get, the, you get the drift? Well, can you imagine that if Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead when he's still in the tomb? She would have been terrified. Oh, they buried me alive. And maybe it was to let others see in. Now, let me apply that little application, apply that little illustration. If we want our hearts to be healed, the stones blocking the way must be removed. Might be anger and bitterness and resentment. For, the, for some, it's the pain itself of, uh, uh, the, the, of touching the pain, the, the, the wound that's the problem. For another, the barrier of unbelief. God couldn't deal with my situation. Either way, we have to deal with the idea of wanting to get our own back. You, will let, you let God balance the books. Let him balance them. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. Do you trust him enough to do that? And Jesus is the best example. He was, a, he was betrayed and abandoned by friends. He faced the epitome of injustice. But he says, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Here's something that's very important. If you've taken nothing else on board, take this. Break the chain of bitterness. Hidden hurts can get passed down generation to generation. Bitter parents will pass down that same attitude and cousins will never look the other side of the road and I know numerous situations like that. Here's another one. You take the step of breaking the chain. Don't wait for them. And forgive the one that hurt you. Replace hurtful memories with God's truth and what he thinks about you. 
My sister, my youngest sister, got anorexia because she was called fatty at school. There's a lot of people and they have taken those negative comments that were said to them at school and it has affected their health. She's well today because Christ healed her spiritually, emotionally, and physically. She's hale and hearty. Why? Because she now knew that she was a child of God and she believed everything that God said about her and not what evil and wickedness said about her. And the Bible says that we are not to be conformed by, uh, by the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the th last thing is this. Refocus on God. Refocus on God. God, you are glorious. God, you're gracious. God, I thank you, you never say the things that the world says to me. I thank you, you're more loving, kind, forgiving, and merciful than anyone else. And my hope is in you. I hope that helps. Let's pray together in prayer. Let's pray. Our Father, as we think about your word, as we ponder it, Lord, we don't want to be preaching what we don't practice. Lord, help us to practice what we preach. And Lord, help us to practice what we believe. Father, we pray for that healing balm that would come to hearts. There might just be some who are found in God's presence now. And I'm just going to say, I'm not going to ask for visible or physical responses, but I'm just going to say, just going to pray this, Lord, if you have been hurt and you've, that hurt has de determined your, 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 your attitude in your life, just pray this, Lord, I thank you that your word was for me this morning. I acknowledge, Lord, the hurts in the past. And I know some of those have been deeply ingrained and covered over. But Lord, I thank you that you want to deal with them now. And so I ask for the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the balm of Gilead, to heal the troubled and hurting soul. I ask, Lord, that you will back it up by the presence of God and the Spirit in that life. And Lord, those wounds will receive supernatural healing. And, O oh God, that you will give each one that grace, that grace to go forward with the mind of Christ and the love of God, overwhelming. Lord, whoever has prayed that prayer, God, we pray for a supernatural encounter just now. Be glorified, we pray. Grant, Lord, that we will not be stumped or stumbled at our, at our Christian walk. But, O oh God, we'll go deeper and deeper and deeper with him. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to stand and sing Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone. Amazing. If anybody would like prayer, Davy and Charlotte are here and they will help you. We'll be someone here. You just come forward. Mention it to me at the door on the way out and we'll arrange it for you. But please don't go away if you need prayer today because that's what church is about. Helping one another overcome their hurts and their failures.
for standing and sing. Thank you, Charles. <coughs> sensed the sensitivity of this gathering today. I hope you've sensed the heart of God and I hope you've sensed his voice to your heart. Not meant to be hard-hitting today. 
It's meant to be encouraging, to draw you out for healing of the Spirit of God. And he'll give you the greatest exchange. He'll give you joy. He'll give you peace. He'll give you a sense of his presence. Oh, the wonderful virtues of the Holy Spirit. 